welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 23. We're going to be joining you every week to talk IT career, news, and opinions based on our points of view. I'm your host, John White, at BJuryman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John, I'm doing great. I want to make sure our listeners know we are both VMware solution engineers looking to bring them the career advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. We hope our career discussions will be relevant across disciplines and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Great. How was that for you, Nick? It was good. I mean, I'm excited. You know, episode 23, this is the Michael Jordan episode, so I figured we'd just go ahead and open it up with with some Michael Jordan trivia, if that's cool with you. I'm going to ask you some questions and, and see how well you know MJ. Are oh, you, wait. You ready? What? I was thinking it was the Bobby Nystrom episode. You know, the New York Islanders great? Number 23? Um, yeah, no. Uh, we talked about this before. I thought Michael Jordan won the debate. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Michael Jordan trivia. Let's go. All right. So give me the two sets of three consecutive years in which the Chicago Bulls had a three-peat. Oh, my goodness. Um, I can't even place that in history. Uh, I'm trying to make it compared to where I was in life. I want to say maybe ending in 93 and then ending in uh 99 I, I i can't even i don't even know when he retired that might be too late it depends on which time you're talking about so that would be 91 to 93 as oh. well as 96 to 98 seriously yeah oh wow that was a shot in the dark for me i that, yeah <laughs> Whew, okay Better, better than you thought. Yeah. And what I'll do is we'll just, we'll do the other 55 Michael Jordan questions I was going to ask you on a different episode. That way we can just go ahead and get the topics. Is that cool with you? Yeah, it's, um, whew, that's rough. I, I all this prep on uh, Bobby Nystrom and the, the 1980 Islanders. Okay. But I, I guess that's uh, not relevant anymore. I'll just uh, hold on. You never know what can happen on a live podcast, John. Yeah, you just, just have to be ready. Hit delete on this. Okay. <laughs> All right. Select delete. Okay, cool. All ready. Let's get going to the episode. Um, so today's topic is inspired by your one-year check-in uh, series that we did. We're going to do a three-year check-in with me. Um, I completely uh, forgot about this, but we have... Um, I think a higher date that's only separated by less than 30 days. So that means that your one year was right around my three year. And, uh, as you pointed out, uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's it seems silly to do one without the other. Um, so I had to put on my thinking cap and, and think about some of the lessons that I'd learned for the past three years. So uh, we're going to do it in the same format. Um, you know, a section where I talk about, you know, my observations and the things that have, have gone on over the last three years, at least, uh, my job journey, career journey. And, uh, and then we will do a section with you asking me questions, um, that I've tried not to look too hard and prep too much on. So, right. I'll scatter some Jordan trivia in there as well. How's that oh, sound? Okay. Excellent. Um, I I'm I can't even think of the number of times that he's retired. That's weird, right? Well, I can't tell you because it might come up later. Okay, all right. Okay, great. So we will start with my observations. Um, so the first thing that I'll talk about is stuff that I've learned. Um, this is kind of my competence curve, right? I, I don't know what exactly other people call it, but it's kind of what I've, what I've been thinking about it as, you know, the, over the course of, um, doing the job, you kind of gain competence in three areas. One is the, the core job functions. Um, and then 
The next area is extended job functions. And then the third area is kind of building an internal network in the company and, and maybe with uh, within the partner ecosystem and and developing kind of a career uh, trajectory within the organization. And I, at least in my mind, it, it took me a full year to kind of gain competence in the core job. And in the second year, um, I, that's when kind of the extended job areas kind of came up to speed. And then in the third year is when I was able to kind of build up to what I think of as a competent level in uh, networking and, and career tracking uh, within the organization. So um, let me go back and and maybe talk about what <laughs> I mean by kind of core job areas for a VMware solution engineer. Um, other people in other organizations might call it a, a systems engineer or a sales engineer or pre-sales engineering. Uh, we call it solution engineering. Um, so, you know, it, it took me that full first year to get to kind of what I think of as competence. It, let me back up and say I was working on all of these things, you know, throughout the entire three years, but, um, you know, different emphasis during different times, and it took different amount of time to get to competent level on all three of these things. So um, that core job function, what do I think about it as is probably um, explaining the portfolio of products that we have. You know, I think we've uh, talked about this early on, you know, maybe seven years ago, you know, I thought, oh, yeah, the the, the VMware product is is vSphere and vCenter, right? The, the hypervisor and the management layer. And then, you know, even before I came to VMware, I, I went through a, a, a couple of years where I was working at a, a VMware distributor doing uh, education of um, Salesforce uh, partner uh Salesforce and, and partner uh, SEs. And in my mind about, you know, in my mind, what the, the VMware portfolio was, you know, greatly expanded. The um, virtual desktop um, was kind of a blind spot for me. Networking and storage and, um, you know, everything that, that's kind of come on since then. Uh, the management products, um, even those that the suite there, um, storage, uh, I said storage, but, um, the availability part of the, the portfolio that lives within storage and availability business unit, uh, site recovery manager, um, and then cloud functionality, you know, that's changed over time. VCloud air, um, came and went, uh, and then VMware cloud on AWS has become a thing, but then we also have cloud functions that live, you know, at, um, at Azure, I want to say. So, you know, all of those things, like, you know, getting, being able to explain the portfolio, you know, explain all of those products, be able to position solutions and, and understand where those products have relevance to business problems within a, a customer organization. You know, that, that was, it took me a year to get up to speed on that and I'm still improving, right? So only competent level, right? You can be competent, you can be, uh, you know, better than competent, you can be even good at it, and then maybe even great at it, and then maybe even one of the best at it. So it took me, I think, a full year to get competent on just the idea of explaining the portfolio, you know, coming up with a, a good company elevator pitch, you know, that might not, I think, I'm still maybe even working on that. Um, I went to a recruiting event, uh, I think, uh, this past week and, you know, I was talking to college students who had maybe never even heard of VMware. So I had to tell them, you know, in, uh, a quick 90 seconds, like what it is that we did. And that's a really difficult thing. If a company's never, somebody's never heard of the organization that you work for to boil down what it is that you do. If, if it was just vSphere and the hypervisor, that's easy. But if it's the entire company that that can be a little bit more difficult. Um, so next part of that core job, maybe understanding customer business issues. That was something that uh, was new to me. And, you know, I thought that I had a, a concept and a grasp on what um, solution-based uh, pitching of products was, and I did not. I had to learn what that was. And 
and learn how to do it. And again, it's another area where I think I'm still getting better at that. It's, it's, I'm, you know, it took me a full year to just get competent, but to become better than that, you know, I'm still working on it and then building relationships within that, uh, those customer uh, organizations, you know, that's something that is, um, I, I think I'm good at building relationships, but to, to be relevant within an organization, know who you should be talking to, um, you know, who can help you, who, um, you can help and, and understanding, um, the best way to, to approach those relationships. It's, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. It's again, something that I'm still, um, trying to be better than competent at and in, in managing relationships and among, among, you know, um, um, small to medium sized, uh, customer bases is, is also an interesting, uh, skill. So it sounds to me, John, like there's a lot of overlap between what you do and what we think of the traditional salesperson doing. Is that, am I reading that right? Or am I off base? I think that that is not off base. Um, I think that what we do does have some overlap with what reps do. I would say the difference is, is that they have even more focus and also maybe slightly higher level versions, um, and different versions of what it is, what we do. Like they have to understand and explain the portfolio on a different level of competence and, and technical competence than we do. So we have to be able to say, yes, we have virtual desktop and, you know, uh, solutions. Um, and they have to be able to say that too, but we have to be able to say, when and where our virtual desktop solutions will definitely help and the things that would rule out even bringing our solution portfolio into that conversation. Um, to do that first level of technical qualification, um, they don't have to worry about technical qualification. We're the ones that have to worry about technical qualification. So that that's a, you know, a key differentiator between what it is that they do and what it is that we do, um, at least how I see it. Um, building relationships within organizations. Again, the fact that they have a little bit more focus on their customer base versus how I have, you know, focus. Like I, I'm in the, the two to one model where I have two different reps in their territories that I'm covering. So, you know, by definition, I can only be half as focused on their customers as they are. Um, and then the types of relationships might be a little bit different. Um, they, might focus generally on a higher level than I do. Like I might be building technical relationships with technical practitioners and they might be building a little bit more business focused relationships. So we might have an overlap in, in one or two levels. Like, um, like an, I'll just give an example, like an IT manager and IT director, you know, might be where they, um, as low as they go and maybe an IT manager or an IT director might be as high as I go. You know, that's not a, a strict, um, strict ceiling on, on those types of relationships. If I am able to get relationships at the CIO level and, you know, they view me as a key resource, um, then that's great, you know, so I'm not ruling that out. Um, but you know, generally there's an overlap. The assumption would be that if I have a, you know, CIO level relationship, then my rep would probably have a CEO level relationship, right? Or even a relationship with that company's board. So again, overlap in relationships and depth of relationships. So yeah, that's good. Good way to describe it. Cool. Yeah. So, um, so I, I'll kind of cut it off there as part of, you know, my description of what that core job is. Um, and then extended job, right? So this is kind of, you know, I think I built up to competence in this area as well in, in the second year, like I said, and that's extending, at least in my mind, relationships with the business units. Um, so it was all I could do to kind of get up to speed on, you know, a shallow level on the full uh, portfolio in that first year. And in the second year is when I was able to build better relationships with the business units. So let me back up and, and explain what I mean by business units. Like we, our job as core, my job as a core solution engineer 
is um, is as a generalist, right? So VMware has multiple business units, each of which is focused on, you know, a, a subset of the products, and they're responsible for developing the product, you know, that subset of products and the the profitability and the and maybe interrelationships and and channels and even you know sales within uh, within those that product subset so we have you know i'll just um go over it briefly we have a cloud platform business unit which you know handles i think uh, that core hypervisor is is the main product there and, and that and vcenter vsphere and vcenter and then there's a cloud management business unit that has management products to help extend and manage those products, network and security, storage and availability, um, integrated systems, I, you know, so it just goes on and on and on. So, um, you know, building relationships uh, with the uh, systems engineers or solution engineers within those business units is kind of the first part of that. So, you know, I, I'm calling them in when I get to that proof of concept level or if I need help doing deep technical uh, uh, technical validation. So, um, that's the first step. So, you know, I built kind of a, a shallow relationship and then in the second year I was able to build deeper and deeper relationships with those people. And then they were able to help me build relationships within other people, with other people within that organization, those business units. So, um, obviously the salespeople that, that those, um, um, SEs were partnered with, but then, you know, the sales directors, the, the VPs and then and then maybe some product managers and, and maybe even developers in that area. Um, I would say building relationships be inside of uh, the technical support organization was another one. Building relationships maybe with technical marketing people within those uh, business units was maybe a little bit further out, but um, that was something that kind of evolved and in, in for me, you know, I was able to get to that competent level in the in the second year. Um, I would say the kind of large events that we do, um, be that our customer uh, conference, VMworld, or you know, also our customers visiting other conferences like uh, um, AWS reInvent or Microsoft Ignite or the um, Security conference, which is in San Francisco every year, that I'm forgetting the name of, uh, RSA. Um, but but all of those those types of things, like you know how we um, go to those conferences, how we uh, use those conferences conferences to build better relationships with our customers and help them understand our product portfolio and 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 solutions like that. I think came to that comp competent level in that second year. And then the third year, um, kind of networking and career trajectory, again, additional networking, probably, um, again, you always have to work with partners, but to build stronger relationships with the partner ecosystem. Um, and that's companies that sell alongside VMware, you know, um, complementary solutions, and then uh, reseller partners. Um, you know, so again, it's not that I didn't have re those relationships, but I think it took me until the third year to understand um, who were the really good ones that I was working with and and who are the ones uh, that, you know, were maybe not great partners or didn't understand how, you know, our partnership uh, would, you know, a, a, a better model for our partnership. So. Um, I'm just trying to avoid saying bad partners, um, but I should maybe just come out and say that. <laughs> um, and then other organizations within VMware. Um, we have an office of the CTO, which is kind of an incubator within VMware. So trying to, to build up relationships there, that's a, a good example. I would say maybe I mentioned relationships with tech marketing people within the business units, and that's really something that I think only came to that competent level of building those things at, in that third year. So um, that's a really uh, a long, <laughs> a large amount of time that, that I spent talking about that. But th I think that is kind of that three-year trajectory, at least in my mind, um, of, of, of how, how it's worked. I, I'm not 100% sure 
sure that that's the best way to think about or talk about uh, the model of competency or, you know, how, how that's come about for me. But I think it's the best way that I have to think about it right now. <laughs> and if I come up with uh, better models, then I'll definitely let you know. That's good. Now, did you, when you were a customer, John, did you know those differences you indicated in the partner ecosystem about the ones that are bringing services, the ones that are just resellers, or was that something new that you had to learn as you moved to integrator and then uh, vendor? Yeah, I was, I was aware that there was, were resellers. Um, I didn't understand the difference between a direct sale um, what the, the value to the company was to, to use a reseller. I think I, you know, probably falsely believed that if I was buying from the company directly that I was getting better pricing, you know, which is definitely not necessarily the case. Um, you know, I think that the customers, you know, it really just depends on the type of, uh, relationship you have, the amount of product that you're buying, um, and the complexity of the product suite that you're buying, um, you know, that depend, that is what determines your pricing. It doesn't have anything to do with who you're buying it from, right? There's certain types of deals that it's easier for the vendor to create that deal directly. And if you, you know, that level of complexity probably requires a direct relationship. Um, maybe sometimes there's, you know, uh, concessions like, uh, getting, um, access to beta programs or, or, or things like that, that can only be done by that vendor. Um, so, you know, probably the deal is better done by the vendor that, you know, rather than by a reseller who can't promise those things or can't give access to those things. Now, sometimes they can mediate access to those things. So there's a lot of gray area and overlap there. Um, I used to think that bringing multiple resellers into a deal, I'd be able to, you know, beat them up, up on margin and get better pricing. And, and maybe even the view that pricing on a product was the most important thing for me to get, like the best price was the best deal. And that is definitely not the case. You know, you could get the best pricing on the thing, um, but, um, have the deal held up or, you know, get complicated and not get access to the thing that you think you're buying for a long period of time based on how competent the partner is at, at, at taking your order and, and actually executing the deal. Maybe getting the thing and implementing it is something that you need the partner's help on, or you need the partner to, um, uh, you know, remind you to upgrade the thing or, or keep inside of, um, uh, service and support contracts or, you know, any number of things. Um, so the best price, you know, is not the same thing as the best, uh, total cost of ownership. Right. And, uh, that's something that I didn't know when I was purchasing. Um, so I remember a storage product that I bought that, um, it, this wasn't about a partner. It was really just about our competence and our ability to use the product. Um, you know, we just didn't know that we needed a relationship with that reseller that, you know, that was a, a touch base more than every three years. So then when it came time to upgrade the thing, we realized we hadn't done an upgrade on the storage product for three years. And there, you know, the upgrade was going to be extremely difficult. We, we had to, to write off the entire cost of the upgrade because we eventually realized we couldn't, we just couldn't get it done. And that was a really painful lesson. So, um, <laughs> lessons for in IT operations, uh, I, I, I don't know that, um, I, I wish that there were, was a, a better way for me to have, you know, learned about those things than to actually work in the area. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I think that's probably when I started uh, networking and, and going to the Spiceworks forum and, and learning some of those lessons, uh, early before I, I entered into it. I don't know. I, I think that was a kind of a roundabout answer to your question. I hope. Oh, that was a good, that was really good, man. Keep going. Keep talking. I like it. <laughs> okay. This is, this is the inner workings of the man, the founder of the John White School of Mentoring. So we have him live and unplugged and we're just going to keep at it, folks. I mean, if this is a four hour podcast, we're just going to keep rolling. Keep, <laughs> keep going, John. Right. Um, hopefully it's, uh, it's a little bit 
more structured and not stream of consciousness. <laughs> um, so I would say, you know, that my next thought, um, you know, major section would be like thinking about what the job actually is. Um, and I broke that up into a couple different sections. Uh, first was uh, customer focus. Uh, second, and is maybe related, but I think of it as slightly different, and that's customer business problem focus. And then third is product focus. And then fourth is personal development. So I'm breaking, you know, an organizational structure rule of threes, but I have four sections. So um, customer focus, um, I would say for me, a big part of the job is understanding what the product, what the customer does, right? I said product and, and really the important thing, the important thing is the customer. Um, so part of that is their product, um, how they sell, who they sell to, what their value proposition within the marketplace is. Um, I would probably include like who their competition is, uh, who they sell against. Um, so things like that, understanding, you know, on a very basic level, what that customer does. And, and once I understand that, like, I think, um, and there's a, a number of ways to do that. Like, you know, if they're a public company you can read their, their quarterly, uh, statements, like their 10 K maybe they're in, in their annual report. Um, you know, how understanding how that company views themselves, of course, on, on their website, they probably talk about, you know, Hey, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is how we provide value. So a really important part of my job is understanding that like on a very fundamental level, when somebody asks me about one of my customers, I have to be able to say, here's what they do. Here's how they operate in the marketplace. You ever have any challenges with customers not really wanting to share how they operate or what they do or deeper insight into the organization? Um, that's a really good question. I would say that is about partnership and it's about adding value. So, you know, the very first time I meet with them and say, you know, tell me about how you compete in the marketplace. You know, that isn't necessarily the best way to do that. I have to gain trust. They have to believe that I'm asking those questions because I want to help them. And I have to do that by proving to them and positioning myself as somebody who's really just there to help them not to shove product down their throat. Um, so I, I would say instinctively I've, I've never tried to, um, you know, just get all that information up front in the very first time I've met with somebody. Um, I would say, I think there's probably customers who are still a little bit more reticent with me about their internal, um, operations than some other customers. So, you know, it's just a different style of how they operate and maybe it's just a different type of relationship. So, you know, the short answer is yes. And, um, it really is just a, a contrast of how different customers operate and then the different types of relationships I have within, with different people in those organizations. So. It sounds like the answer is the consultant's answer. It depends. <laughs> it definitely does depend. So, um, I would say the next part of customer focus is organization. So I have to understand their internal organization in a very similar way that I talked about VMware's internal organization, you know, their business units, what it is that they do, how the different products are developed within those business units, um, the structure, um, our success, um, of products, helping to solve products, uh, solve problems within those organizations. Um, and, uh, and so again, that's a, a really big part of it. And I, you know, and, and probably why, um, this lags a little bit, like, you know, when I joined VMware, there's so much to learn about VMware. It's difficult to also learn a bunch of things immediately about the customer, you know, at the same time, but it, it was a parallel process. As I understood VMware organizational structure, it, it made me ask questions about my customer's organizational structures. Um, and I know that you and I are in different types of roles. You know, I have maybe 15 customers 
that I have relationships with. So, and I, I think that your number is, you know, hundreds, right? So yep. my depth of knowledge that I'm able to gain about those, you know, that customer base is, is necess necessarily going to be deeper um, because I'm really playing a long game with all of them, um, trying to help over a long, long term. And um, as they become successful with the products, I want, you know, some of that success to be like budget savings. And maybe I could say, well, geez, you know, we saved you this much money. Can, is it possible to, to get some of those budget savings to help fund the next project, which is also going to save budget? Um, you know, that's one way to talk about it, but sometimes it's just, you know, we accelerated your, um, process so much that you've saved so much time. Is there a way to do a budget justification just on, you know, time saved, um, or product development acceleration, um, based on past projects, you know, so, um, understanding the organization, what success looks like to them, you know, how they measure success. And then as we problem solve, you know, being able to uh, talk about our solutions as they help solve those problems and come up with a metric for success that matters to them. So that kind of dovetails into the next section about that customer focus, which is um, understanding their challenges. And, and sometimes it's internal challenges. It's it's internal politics, how the different um, people and management structures and business units relate to each other, um, maybe personnel issues and challenges, you know, sometimes it's, man, you know, we're so successful and we're growing so quickly. How do we scale out and, and find people, um, faster and better? Uh, sometimes it's, it's getting funding for, uh, projects, which, uh, you know, traditionally we sell into it, um, stacks and it departments and traditionally they're looked on as cost centers, um, and not as part of, um, you know, the cost of goods sold to their end customers. So as a result, sometimes we have to help understand, you know, their, their funding challenges and, and help, um, you know, talk about what's been successful in the past and, and, and the path to funding, you know, things that should be really important. Again, you know, we have to, um, understand what success looks like and, and help couch, you know, our solutions to their problems in a way which can be, um, that shows up on their success metrics. Um, and sometimes you have to understand, you know, oh, you're buying it for this other group and their success metric is this. So maybe they need to help kick in some money, understanding that, you know, it's going to affect their metrics for success down the road. So. Yeah, that's good. You know, it all goes back to, you really are listening and being attentive to what it is they want to be able to do as an organization. And, truly show them that you're trying to help them get there. Yeah, exactly. And, and it takes time. This part takes time, right? Um, especially in my mind, as someone with an IT background, um, I don't think that I was successfully doing this within my IT career, right? So I could kind of think about the projects that I did as IT projects, and I didn't think about them as you know, IT projects that were successfully helping the sales department um, manage their sales processes better, and as a result, increase sales. I didn't think about them as IT projects that were successfully um, helping the operations and and distribution part of the distribution business that I was working for. You know, do their job better and help show up in a in a success metric for, for that organization. So as a result, um, I had to learn how to do that on the job and, you know, I had incredible resources within the company to help do that. And, um, it kind of just made me kick myself, um, for not having learned to do that earlier. It was just, you know, I was like, oh man, this is really should be something fundamental for, um, an IT practitioner who has to pitch products and, and, um, you know, as a result, spend money, you have to, you have to make that money spend relevant to, uh, the rest of the organization. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, hopefully maybe you and I can, can do some sessions, um, maybe 
about that <laughs> in this podcast. Uh, maybe in a, I don't know, V, v Brown Bag at VMworld, uh, you know, V Mugs. Who knows? But um, sure, something nationally syndicated, whatever you want to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but um, that I think that that's something that's pretty important um, that I had to learn how to do um, on the job. Uh, sometimes, you know, I said organization, so I had to to learn um, who within those customer organizations were actually um, buying products from us. Um, so maybe, that, you know, a who question is who's purchased from us before. Um, how has that purchase been successful before? Um, are there other parts of the, the organization that have problems that we could solve that... Um, maybe they don't know about because they've never brought products from us before. They don't think about um, us as having solutions as relevant to them. Um, maybe somebody within an organization who has IT um, spend knows about us, but somebody who's within the organization that has security spend doesn't think about us as, ha as being relevant to their security business. Um, maybe in an indirect way, but maybe not a direct way. So as a result, you know, understanding that you know, making those connections, um, and, and not in a salesy way, right? Salesy people can be salesy and we just have to work with the practitioners to be, you know, help them understand in like kind of a practitioner to practitioner way. And, and maybe that filters up, maybe it doesn't, but, um, you know, ultimately, you know, somebody's metric on success via sales, <laughs> um, and it isn't necessarily me. So, um, I'm, I'm playing a long game again. You know, if we become relevant to a security part of the business and it takes three years, then I think that's better um, than having it happen never. So at least that's my view on that. And then, of course, we have an expanding portfolio. So, you know, maybe VMware indirectly helped security, um, you know, five years ago or seven years ago, and that's the way somebody in security thinks about it. Um, but you know, now we have direct security products that could be directly relevant to their success metrics. So maybe we just do educational sections and sessions and, uh, help them to understand those types of things that, that aren't about sales. It's just about education and helping them to understand, um, how we've changed as a company in five, the five years since they thought about us. Right. Do you mind if I just dig into one thing about some of the stuff you just said, John? Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned different business units within the customer. As these customers get larger, are you finding that those different business units on the customer side have separate IT departments? For example, maybe a, a general IT operations group and then a group that maybe supports the technology side of manufacturing, for example or distribution is, are you seeing any divisions like that on the customer side or with, with multiple budgets or is it mainly just out of one it budget bucket? Yeah, it can be both. Um, sometimes it's, um, you know, a, a shadow it organization, I guess, um, where the, the business unit has basically said, well, we feel like, you know, general it hasn't necessarily been responsive to our needs or, sometimes it's organizational. This was a business unit that came through acquisition and they maintained the IT department that um, they were acquired through. And sometimes organizationally, um, you know, somebody at an executive level said, well, we actually just need to have a, a special focus on this product and this development process that is exclusive and it's a separate budget and, and, you know, is more responsive to what those people need um, as opposed to, to, general IT spend. So it's, it definitely does happen. Um, sometimes, you know, IT as a shared service is like a centralized service and, and mediates interaction with every single business unit. And there's, you know, really at that point, um, that central IT, uh, shared service, um, you know, has specific people in place to mediate and, and partner with the different, different business units. So what we're do doing is getting brought in to those, um, um, 
those specialist uh, meetings where somebody within the IT organization is the designated person who works with uh, business unit A. And then they have, you know, there's somebody else within the IT organization who works with business unit B. So we're brought in to help with those meetings and, and explain, you know, again, maybe it's just educational. Sometimes it's, a, you know, specifically targeting, you know, that IT organization has targeted a specific product. Um, and, and we're brought in to help um, explain how that product can, can help solve a specific business problem that that business unit is having. So there's a number of different models. It, it's probably almost um, a separate topic that, that I've been thinking about, and this is kind of an aside, is different models for IT operations inside organizations, right? Um, sometimes it's centralized, sometimes it's decentralized. Some, you know, Usually there's some kind of centralized component and sometimes it's DevOps, right? Where there's no dedicated ops only team. It's it's uh, people that are embedded with the, the, the developers. And sometimes those developers, um, if it's a hard goods company, might not actually live inside the business unit. And maybe they live in the, the you know, quote unquote IT part of the, the company. and you know, Or in the cloud. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's a cloud company. So they, that's where they live, right? Um, but it, yeah, so I've seen a number of different models. It's it's really fascinating how uh, those different models apply to different organizations, and a lot of times it's history, right? Um, you know, oh yeah, like I said, it's a this came from an acquisition, and it's just inertia, right? We haven't undone that. Uh, we wanted to. I mean, this this happens at VMware even, right? So if we acquire a company, what we want is not to change everything that they do, we want them to be successful and incubated inside VMware's, you know, product portfolio. So maybe those people move inside a business unit and we don't create a special business unit just for them, but we also don't want to nuke everything that they've done, you know, burn it to the ground and say, Hey, um, you know, we're completely reorganizing how you do work and, and everything that you, how you've done things in the past to the point where it's so disruptive that everybody leaves and, you know, we're left with nothing, right? That's a, that's a terrible way to do an acquisition. So as a result, you know, inside customers, I think they often follow that model as well, right? So we're going to leave things in place. And sometimes that happens, you know, so long that it, there's no way to unwind it. Sometimes unwinding is just a, it's just unimportant in the grand scheme of things to how that, you know, company is doing things and the benefits from doing that, um, technology unwind and, you know, re-centralizing it is so small that there's no benefit in doing it. And it's, it's an interesting, uh, way to think about it because I think, you know, maybe as part of my brain, you know, how I work, I always want to kind of maximize things, the efficiency of things. So I'm like, oh, it would definitely be better if you, you know, a company centralized that service and then, you know, made it a uh, general and available to, you know, maybe there's some benefits from that, but maybe that benefit is 3% and they're working on a 20% benefit problem and they're putting all their resources into a 20% benefit. And I'm talking, I'm thinking about a 3%, one to three to three to 3% benefit. And they're right. You know, they should work on a 20% benefit problem, not a 3% benefit problem. So, um, you know, it's just a, a different way of thinking within a company structure that I hadn't really come across before. Right. Um, I hope I'm making sense with that. I think so. All valid points for sure. Yeah. So, um, so that was a pretty large section to talk about customer focus. Um, I think I said the next section was customer business problem focus. So once I understand how customers are, are operating organizationally, um, challenges, you know, the challenges part becomes, uh, much more important. Um, and specifically the types of business problems that they're focused on. So, um, you know, kind of the model that we work on is there's kind of board level and C-level executive uh, business initiatives, and that translates into general business initiatives, which translate into technology initiatives to support those business initiatives. And then there's the fit of VMware solutions 
that can help with those technology initiatives. So um, that mapping is, you know, critically important. Otherwise, you know, somebody could come to us with a, a technology initiative that is not tied to any of the business initiatives, which means that it's not tied to an executive level initiative or, you know, um, a board level initiative. And, and as a result, you know, those are the initiatives that are most likely to fail to get funded or fail to get supported, you know, during any kind of challenge, like, wait, why are you guys spending time on this? Don't you know that the CEO said this is the, you know, these are the three most important problems and, and what you're talking about doesn't map to any of those. Like, why are you spending any time or effort on that at all? So, um, you know, I think that way of thinking about problems, um, is something that I had to learn again at VMware. Um, and again, I had to, you know, kind of kick myself. Like I, it seems so simple. Um, the way that I just, you know, said it in one minute or 30 seconds, but it's not a way that I ever thought about it, um, in 15 years of IT operations. And that's probably my fault for not, you know, going out and getting mentors who could help me to think about my job a little bit better, a little bit more, you know, business oriented focus, you know, I was all about the technology. Um, that's a hard enough problem. You know, I have to back up and say that just keeping up with technology progress and, and portfolio of, of technology that in IT operations, you know, you have to look after to also understand how the business works and how to, to make sure that, you know, all of your projects are, um, are mapped to the business. Um, it, it seems simple to say, but it's, it's very difficult when, you know, 40 hours a week, you're putting out fires and, and trying to learn new technologies on the side and, and being asked to, you know, being interrupted and asked to do different things. Right. So, um, it was, it was interesting to learn that type of thing. Um, and so that was customer business problems focus. Hang on real quick. Mm -hmm. So when you're, when you're so far away from the top level, you know, that you're just putting out fires, trying to make things work. I think you either lose sight of how you fit into the organization as a whole sometimes and just end up focusing on cool tech, or it's possible that though you have heard what the executive vision is, you may not actually know where you fit into that picture and how you're helping to make that vision come true. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cause I feel like I've been in that situation before where, okay, I, I hear all these things where we need to focus. I'm not actually sure how I can help to support that or improve that. And like you said, maybe that's where having some mentors can really help you see it. Or maybe your manager can give you some additional insight. And I know we talked in a previous episode that if the, if the manager of the department doesn't know how they fit into the big picture organization, that could be a sign that it's not the best place and that IT is not seen as providing any value. Well, it can just be an issue of size sometimes. Like, you know, so if you as an IT operations individual contributor don't understand how the projects that you are working on fits into the the success of the company at large, like you can draw a straight line from the CEO or president of the company says we need to do this. And as a result, that's why this, this IT project is important. I mean, I don't think that that's that uncommon. I think that's probably more common than not. Right. Um, and if you go to your manager and ask that question and they don't understand, I still think that that's more common than not, especially in smaller organizations. Um, I think in larger organizations, like somebody with an MBA has already thought about this and has probably tried to put some structures in, um, in place. So this type of messaging, you know, filters down. Um, but I, I think that in small to medium sized organizations, or especially in medium to large sized organizations that have grown out of small organizations and never, um, gained like maybe organizational maturity and, uh, um, and maybe focus on messaging internally so that everybody understands top to bottom what's going on. Uh, you know, that kind of thing is, uh, like I said, is, is more common than it is, uh, than it is, uh, uncommon. Right. So I just think that, you know, I, I was an IT manager and I reported directly to the general manager of the, of the company. And 
you know, that in a small size business is not that uncommon, right? So that still doesn't mean, you know, like he didn't have necessarily the training to, to coach me to pitch my projects in, in that manner. I, I just think that that's more common than not, again, especially inside small organizations or, or medium sized organizations that have grown out of small organizations, you know, it, um, putting structure and, and that kind of maturity into an IT organization, um, I don't think is really prioritized. And I think that, um, might not even be thought of as important to the ultimate, you know, success of the organization or it's, or it's a lower priority. Um, can you guys just do it? You know, that's, can we just ask you to do something and you do it rather than you understanding it is that kind of thought is process is, is probably way more common. It is. Or can be rather. Yeah, definitely. All right. So I would say, um, last two sections were a product focus and then personal development. Um, so product focus, uh, you know, I think we've touched on this, um, a couple different times, you know, within the structure of this podcast and even this podcast episode, you know, the portfolio advances, right? There's new versions, new capabilities, new features within the product, the set that we have. So, um, learning all those things and keeping up to date on them has been, um, a big part of the job. And then portfolio expansion is another aspect of that. We have new products from a new acquisition, or there's just a brand new section or product from within a business unit. Um, maybe it fills a hole. Maybe I need to understand what hole is being filled. There could be new models of operations, a cloud model, a managed service model. Um, I think a new buzzword that's emerging over the past, uh, two or three years is, is edge computing. Um, and uh, as a, as a good example of an operating model. And, um, so rethinking our product portfolio within that new structure that might come up in customer conversations is, is definitely something to keep up to date with. And, and even understanding that it's a different way of thinking, um, you know, just organizationally or, um, or operationally, I'd say maybe is a little bit better way to think about that specific issue. You know, um, data center computing versus cloud computing versus edge computing is a, is kind of a new structure and way to think about things that's, that's emerged. So that operating model, um, or others, you know, there's other ex examples of, of that type of thing, um, is something that you have to constantly keep up to date with. And that is within the organization. It's also outside the organization. It might not even be something that is necessarily relevant to how we work, um, or our product portfolio, but we have to keep up to date with it, um, as part of our job. So we stay relevant to our customer. So that's a big part of it. Um, so last section, uh, personal development, I think. I just touched on expanded knowledge of the marketplace. Um, and that's, I was specifically talking about operating models, but I also think that we need to, as part of our job, you know, me as part of my job, I needed to understand, you know, everything that's going on out there and maintain relevance so that, you know, in things and technologies that, um, are relevant to my customers. So I understand what it is that they're talking about. So, um, Amazon web services, you know, th that solution portfolio, understanding how that's, uh, growing and maturing Google cloud compute, um, Azure, um, you know, all of what's going on there. I have to keep up to date on and on at least like a 100 level, um, and know where to go to learn a little bit more, you know, in any given solution, um, or any given situation, if, if that is more or more relevant to a customer that I have, you know, customer A ha is exploring AWS and, and wants to know, you know, my opinion on something. Customer B wants to know, you know, that same type of, have that same type of conversation, but about Azure solutions, um, that kind of thing. Um, 
and then also, you know, just generic um, storage, you know, storage vendors, how they interact with our product portfolio, networking vendors, security vendors, um, you know, just the practices of storage networking and security within the marketplace um, and within IT departments and, and business units, um, whether or not, you know, we're trying to sell something there, you know, for a solution engineer at VMware, you have to keep up to date with all of those things. Um, and of course, compute, right? But new models of computer coming out, um, you know, we're, we as a company are focused a little bit more on uh, generic x86 compute, x64 compute. Um, that's evolving and changing um, with, you know, how we, I think we made some announcements about how we're doing the same thing with, um, uh, with arm. Yeah, definitely with arm. Um, I was actually thinking a little bit more about, uh, graphical graphics, uh, specialized, uh, graphics, uh, cards. So, um, graphical compute, but arm is another great example. Um, it, that's even more, you know, bleeding edge, right. Um, but, you know, graphics offloads, um, maybe ARM is, you know, relevant, especially in edge computing or maybe Internet of Things, you know, uh, operating models. So all of those things, you know, as, you know, for me, I need to keep up to date with to, to just maintain relevance, you know, to my customer base um, on the job. So um, that was a lot. That was a big mouthful. It was. But you know what this reminds me of, John? We had a couple episodes on the ins and outs of training yeah. that I would recommend people go and listen to because there was one just on the ins and outs of training, and then we did one on training adjacencies. And all those areas you just described that you have to stay aware of the trends, not just in our product set, but in the whole ecosystem, that's, that's staying up to date on your adjacencies. And I think personally that that makes you more marketable to a potential new employer if you decided that you wanted to leave VMware, wouldn't you say? Um, that's probably true. Um, so I think at any rate, that's how I think about um, what the job actually is, right? Customer focus and then, you know, smearing over into customer business problem focus and then my personal product focus and then personal development, you know, with uh, kind of the marketplace. Uh, I would say... Um, you know, does it make me relevant to other um, employers? You know, that's probably just a side effect of everything that we have to do. Um, you know, that that just makes us relevant to other employers, definitely. Um, and, you know, that's, you know, VMware as an organization knows that, right? So they want to make us as happy as possible within our jobs and, and as excited as possible to stay so that it just doesn't, you know, that, you know, leaving isn't really an issue. Um, but, you know, I think every organization has to worry about that. Can you, the, every time you invest in your employees and make them highly skilled, um, that means that they're more and more valuable to other people, right? So how do you organizationally um, make them relevant, but also happy and excited to stay? Um, so that's that's probably, if we had a, an IT or organizational management podcast, we could um, spend, you know, probably an entire arc of episodes uh, just talking about that. Um, but as it is, I think, I feel like we're going on for the better part of an hour. Maybe um, we could do your questions as uh, the next episode. What do you think about that? Fine. I had to wait last time. I guess I have to wait this time. You, you better be ready, brother, because it's coming. I'm coming All for right. you. Stuff you don't <laughs> expect. All right. So the the, the Nick grilling of me is going to be uh, the next episode. Um, but um, just uh, wanted to check in with you. Anything else pop into your mind uh, while we were talking uh, before we end and, and move on? No, I don't, not really. I mean, we'll go back and document some of those future topics and maybe we can get those out in, in future shows. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to let you know that this podcast has been inside the mind of John White, the innovator, creator of the John White School of Mentoring. And while we definitely want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, we want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. 
We are collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey, and that is the place that you should send the DM when you are ready to take that next step and subscribe to the John White School of Mentoring. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, stay hungry, hungry for more Nerd Journey because it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> Definitely coming. I, I, I think that, um, you know, if we we're really being honest, that the creation of the John White School of Mentoring was, was within your mind. <laughs> But anyway, farewell listeners. Tune in next time where we will, where we will continue this conversation with the Nick Grill. Um, as the journey continues, I'm John White at V Journeyman for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore signing off. Adios. All right. <laughs> you know what was really funny is it looked like you were about to crack up and sort of unsure where you were there for a second. <laughs> well, I was trying to edit what I was saying, <laughs> you know, what we have in the script, <laughs> like on the fly. So um, <laughs> my emphasis was very strange <laughs> at the end. <laughs> Your emphasis was on the wrong syllable. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I should stop recording. <laughs>